Welcome to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At Keep Playing Baseball, we don't think money should dictate college baseball opportunity, and all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We'll use the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the best source of recruiting information on the go. What's up, everyone? We're excited to welcome Dimitri Kokoris to the podcast today. Coach K currently serves as the pitching coach for Point Loma Nazarene University in the PacWest Conference. Coach K brings to the show a wealth of baseball knowledge, and his college coaching career has seen stops at some of the nation's most successful baseball programs. Those stops include University of South Carolina, Cal State Fullerton, University of Oregon, and Santa Barbara City College. Coach K, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to have you here. You joined the Art of Pitching podcast for a great episode that really dives into your personal story, and I would encourage all our listeners to check that out. It's an incredible story, uh, but today we want to focus on picking your brain about coaching, recruiting, and development, but I think it would be a big mistake to skip over your unique path in college baseball. So can you just give us a quick or abbreviated overview of your baseball journey and how you got where you are today at Point Loma? Yeah, man. I, um, I ended up, uh, I was at the University of South Carolina, found myself there, and ended up serving as a student manager my junior and senior year uh, so that I could kind of travel with the baseball team and kind of observe them. And so I like to say my baseline, I got spoiled. My baseline for college baseball is the SEC, nice. which I had, I had, I wish every single day I could go back and watch one round of BP because I did not, I was watching. I mean, we had guys just launching home runs at will. You couldn't, you couldn't tell who our best hitters were because every year just was special. Nice problem to have. Yeah, and then uh, served, uh, did an internship in Bradenton, Florida with the Pittsburgh Pirates in their spring training uh, facility and decided that professional baseball was not the path that I needed to take. I'm in love with the college game. I'm in love with synergy. I'm in love with players playing on a team themselves. And so uh, my roommate my junior year at South Carolina was a kid by the name of Corey Vanderhoek. Corey's uncle, Rick Vanderhoek, is now the head coach at Cal State Fullerton. Mm -hmm. I was an assistant. And Corey told me if uh, I was going to go into college baseball coaching, like I, Fullerton, I had, that's where I had to go. And so home for me is Pasadena, California. It was a chance to go back home, SoCal. Um, and I became a grad assistant at Cal State Fullerton while I was getting my MBA. And I had an unbelievable pleasure to get my concentration in applied sports psychology and work with uh, and be taught by Ken Revisa, which he just recently passed away. Rest in peace, Ken. He's been just an unbelievable influence in my life. Definitely is one of the biggest reasons for me maturing as a human being and, and being a better caliber of person since meeting him. So um, I love the work that he did. But so I was at uh, Fullerton, got my MBA there. While I was there, our coaching staff got hired to resurrect the program at the University of Oregon. So I found myself uh, going from sunny Southern California and living in the College World Series to moving up to Eugene and 
before it was raining and we were building a program from scratch and weren't necessarily sure what we were doing or how to do it or where to do it but what we knew is we were gonna we were gonna go for it yeah and uh yeah did that for two years and then decided it was it was my time to get into the industry and actually start coaching you know i'd been an administrative assistant a grad assistant all that stuff i hadn't really gotten the recruiting experience or been you know run my own pitching program and plan so found myself at Chemeketa Community College in Salem, Oregon for three years, where we did some crazy stuff with weighted balls and strength programs and changed, kind of changed the game up there. We went from having one guy sniffing 90 to when I was leaving my last year, we had seven guys, wow. including two guys that were 92, 94. You know, one of them goes pretty much full-ride scholarship to BYU, and the other one goes full-ride scholarship to Central Washington because he wanted to be a firefighter. He pretty much could have gone wherever he wanted, six, seven, get a kid. And so... Um, that was cool. And then my brother started having kids and I realized, you know, all the actions in Southern California. So it's I want to be closer to my family and it's, it's time to go back home and Coming full circle. So, yeah, you know, I was lucky enough to get a phone call. Andrew Checkets, who was the pitching coach at University of Oregon, was then the head coach, is now the head coach at UC Santa Barbara. And he made a, a phone call to Jeff Walker at Santa Barbara City College when they had a pitching job open. And he called me and he's like, hey, just want to let you know I put your, your name in at Santa Barbara City College. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, let's do that. I like I like the sun. I like better athletes. I like, you know, I like more money. Right. Um, and so I found myself at SBCC for a year and a half where I learned a ton, just more traditional and, and you know, kind of learned how to win again. Because I think at Chemeketa, we were a little bit more developmental. And I do think you sacrifice the winning piece for the individual piece. when you When you're so hardcore on development, you do sacrifice wins, wins. You do, 100%. And so SBCC was more of a team culture. We're in team offense, and I got reacquainted with that. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, not looking for a job, and found myself at the campus of Point Loma Nazarene University working for Joseph Schaefer, who I think is the best head coach in America. And, uh, you know, running my way to ball program, but like kind of mixing everything together. He gives me free reign to do the development, but also win. So I think that's kind of what I'm proudest of right now is, you know, we develop our guys, but we don't sacrifice the win piece. And it's been uh, in my second year there, we won our first game in postseason history, NCAA postseason history at Point Loma Nazarene for any men's sport. Um, and we actually had a freshman win conference pitcher of the year. Awesome. So it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. There's been ups and downs. There's been, you know, nights where, you know, it's working two or three jobs and it's going crazy. And then there's been other. Now I wake up and I'm literally standing on a beach right now overlooking Mission Bay in, in, right. in San Diego. And I'm like, yeah, huh, I'm doing all right. You guys have a pretty iconic field, arguably the oh. best the best view in the country. It's, not, it's, it's been voted on numerous times and it's been and it's won the award as America's most scenic ballpark. It's uh, the field is on the water. It's lined with palm trees uh, when the sun sets and the different colors shoot out over the outfield. It's. It's definitely the most unbelievable field I've ever been a part of. It's it's a slice of heaven. Yeah, sounds like a nice place to go to work every day. Uh, it's you pin, you pinch yourself. You walk in and you look out over the ocean. And you go, huh? I work here. And then at the end of the day, no matter how hard your day or how rough your day was, you I you know I stand up on the ledge and look out over the ocean and go, yeah, I can't complain. Yeah. Like if I complain, I'm just I'm just being an idiot. I'm just being an idiot. <laughs> well, we you know. You brought up some really interesting points, even in, in your quick overview of where you've been, and we definitely want to get to some of your stops and your influences later. But why don't you kind of attack that piece that you talked about, both in terms of the development and winning and trying to find that balance, and um, 
you know, walk us through your philosophy on, on player development and more specifically, you know, how you guys develop your pitchers and your players throughout the course of a, a you know, a school year or a season. For sure. So the, the balance that we found that works best is follows for development, follows for individualized development. So if you've got a guy who's 82, 84, and he's got three pitches he can throw for a strike and moving in and out, he's got a feel for pitching. It's like, all right, let's go velo. Let's do our plyos. Let's do our pull downs. Let's get our wrist weights in there. Let's kill the weight room. Let's take our uh, recovery days really, really strong. But let's get you three to six miles. Like right. there's not much coach. There's not much pitching stuff that I'm doing with that guy. There's more strength stuff. There's more throwing stuff, movement pattern stuff. And a lot of it is from differential learning and guided discovery and neurological blending. So like we'll have our guys do from the velo standpoint, from the arm care standpoint, it's a three-step process, okay. which number one is keep guys healthy. Uh, when we use weight, we use a lot of weighted balls, but we on-ramp the weighted balls. Your first two weeks, it's interval throwing program. You're throwing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're taking a day off in between. And you're working up. So it's two to four weeks of interval throwing. And when you do that, you build your arm strength up to put yourself in a position to really push it later. And so we'll do plyo balls. We'll do uh, wrist weights. We'll do shoulder tube. We'll do long toss. And our long toss is a specific throwing progression that mimics the kinetic chain. So we'll have upper half drills. And then we'll have, you know, uh, waist hip oriented drills that connect the hips to the shoulders in the a, in a internal rotation and the elbow extension. And then we'll really kind of unleash the lower half, blend those ground reaction forces into the hip to shoulder separation, into the internal rotation of the of the shoulder, into the elbow extension, and really make sure that kinetic chain is firing on all four cylinders. And that's all part of a daily throwing routine for each guy. It's all part of a daily throwing routine. And the beautiful thing is this is we, we chop it up into drills. So the guys don't even know what they're working on. They're just like, Oh, I have, I have you know, I have girl throws today, or I have I have pivot pickoff long toss, and then oh I have, you know, double crow hop throws. And it's like those drills are actually tricking their body into making these adjustments. Right. And what happens is their feedback is the distance and the accuracy. So if you do something a certain way and it feels good to your arm and now the ball's going 350 feet and your long toss, it's like, yeah, keep doing that. When guys throw a ball longer, like they go for a further distance, mm-hmm. their body's going to remember that and it's going to adopt that. It's going to adopt that movement pattern. And so that's something we take very, it's very seriously. And then they bring it back in and, we make sure they do some flat ground work or, you know, some short box work off the mound and really work on spotting up and doing different things. But that's kind of our daily throwing program is, is we're working on making our mechanics more efficient. So kind of taking it back to that initial um, discussion about our philosophy is number one is we want to keep these guys healthy. And if you have an efficient kinetic chain and your, your arm deceleration pattern works the way it's supposed to, you're decelerating with those proximal muscles. You're putting your arm in a position where it needs to be. Um, you know, it's, it keeps you healthy. Number two, once you're staying healthy is shorten your recovery time. Right. Uh, we found with the weighted balls and the long toss throwing progression, what happens is after four weeks, once we finish our interval throwing program and our on-ramping, uh, now we can throw six days a week and you're still long tossing every other day. There's like, it's like a hybrid interval throwing program where you've got long toss going on, mm-hmm. but in those in-between days, you can throw to 150 feet and you can get more touches. And one of the things I'm the most proud of is pretty much every single one of our starters, uh, the day after they throw, they pitch in a game, they go 100 pitches or a little over that. Um, they're all able to throw long toss the next day if they so please. And so think about it this way. Uh, pitching is a skill and a skill requires environment times time. 
you have to be in the right environment and you have to put a lot of time in that environment to, to, to acquire a skill. Right. So the more touches, the more days that we can throw, the more days that we can throw a baseball, um, you know, whether it's long toss, flat grounds, whatever it is, and work on our craft, the better we're going to get. So when we shorten our recovery time, we sacrifice those four, first four weeks to go interval throwing program. What we actually end up doing is buying four, you know, like, you know, 60, 70, 80 more days during the course of the year to actually work on our craft and throw because we can throw six days a week. Absolutely. And so with that shortening of the recovery time, you become, you can increase your skill. You can locate your fastball better. If that's what you need to work on, all of a sudden you're locating your fastball better. If you're developing a secondary pitch, guys, listen up, pitchers out there. In order to develop secondary stuff, you have to throw it more often. The more touches you can get with a changeup, the better opportunity you have to develop a changeup. Right. If you need to develop a curveball, throw more curveballs. Uh, there's an unbelievable sequence on Fangraph where it's like nine different articles. Each article's got three pitchers where they talk about how they the, how they discovered this pitch that they throw in the big leagues. They're all major league pitchers. Yeah. And the one common denominator in every single one of those articles is I threw it every day in catch play. I worked on it in catch play. Just trying new things and every day. Feeling it out. Yep. 100%. So that second piece of shortening down, you know, the recovery and getting those guys more touches, that's what's going to make them better pitchers. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can throw 100. And if you throw nine balls to every strike, your career is going to be short. Like you're going to get a lot of opportunities. You're going to, you know, get drafted and stuff, but you're not going to make it up, up the ranks. Yeah. Uh, you're never going to get out. But if, you know, if we're able to get a lot of touches and build that skill up, our guys are able to get out and, and they're able to actually play the game and be good at it. And that's a lot of fun. How much, so, of, how much of the onus falls on the players to manipulate oh their workload on a day-to-day -day basis? How much freedom are you giving your guys? <laughs> we talk about ownership so much. We talk about number one is goal setting, have a goal, have a plan, something that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then number two is taking as much ownership over everything as, as much as possible. And so what it is, is, is the more ownership that you can take over a situation, the more power you have over it. Now, the opposite of ownership is blame. The more you blame the environment, the more you blame the situation, the more you, the more you shift that ownership onto other people what ends up happening is you become a victim to allow these things to happen over and over and over again without making an adjustment. Because you're blaming the environment, you don't think you have to change. And when you find that same situation, you're going to end up getting the same result. Right. So they talk about it, uh, insanity. The definition of insanity is doing something over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. So we don't want our guys to be insane. No. We want our guys to take ownership and get better and evolve. We want them to be, we call it, we call it creator versus a victim. Creators are people that take ownership. Oh, I was in a 2-0 count where I got squeezed and I had to groove a fastball and the guy hit a jack. Well, the victim goes, I got squeezed. So next time I'm not going to get squeezed. And the creator turns around and goes, dude, I got to be able to flip a secondary pitch in, for, in, in the 2-0 count for a strike. So that week of practice, you know, you know, or that month of practice, the creator is going to be working on his breaking ball or his changeup and, and really get a good feel for that and really be motivated by it versus the victim is going to be like, I don't have to worry about that. That was just the umpire's fault. Right. And then all of a sudden, a month later, they're going to be in the exact same situation. And the creator is going to be 2-0 after getting squeezed and be like, oh, sweet. Boom. Here's the breaking ball. Now it's 2-1. Now the hitter's like, oh, shoot, where'd that come from? 2-0 breaking ball to a hitter. They're completely off balance. What do I sit on the fastball? The breaking ball? What? Oh, it's 2-2. Oh, my gosh. He swings. Weak contact. Versus the victim 
is going to be like, oh, it's 2-0. Oh, this BS situation again. Groove that fastball and give up another jack. Just your classic transfer ability. 100%. And so we talk a lot about ownership. Just take full responsibility. It's your career. It's not my career. You know, at the end of the day, um, it's your career. When you're the one that's all-conference, it's your name that's on the all-conference deal. It's not, you know, uh, you know XYZ pitcher. Uh, wins all conference courtesy to coach K like I don't care that's not my deal that's not my bag you know like I've I've got my own stuff going on in life I don't need that you're the one that put the work in our pitchers are the ones that are sacrificing they're the ones going out you know doing their extra conditioning doing the things that need to be done they're the one that's grinding on a daily basis like so when they get when they uh, do something great they're the one that should get credit for it mm-hmm. you know and, and that being said the same thing should happen with the blame like you know, and I try to help out with the blame. I try to, I make a joint blame. Like, okay, I got to make a better plan for you, but you got to make sure we put in the work for this plan. Or some guys just look at me and they go, I know what I need to do. Like I screwed up and I know what I need to do. And when I get a, a kid do that, it's just like, oh man, get, just get out of the way. Watch him work. Yeah. Just this kid gets it. And so a lot of those freshman sophomores that I, that I get, those first year guys, we talk about ownership and taking full responsibility. You didn't want to pit. you like, the end of the year they didn't pitch the way they wanted to well whose fault is that you know is it my fault behind posters absolutely it's my fault because i feel like i should have a better plan and i don't but i don't tell them this i tell our guys like you know that's your fault you didn't put enough work in you didn't do the things that you needed to do in order to be an all-conference pitcher like that's on you like if you're waiting for me to do the stuff for you you will never be good you're right so those guys have a ton of ownership on a daily basis and manipulating their program oh, yeah. for what works best. Hundred percent. If if a guy comes up to me and says, "Coach, weight of balls, not feeling them," it'll be like, "Sweet, let's have a conversation." Why? And if he's got a good reason, like, "Hey, every time I go with a blue ball, or every time I go with a red ball and a rocker, or something like that, it just doesn't feel right. I just don't feel synced up. I just don't feel coordinated." But what I do find is that when I take an extra fifteen minutes on catch play, my delivery is where it needs to be. It's just like, do that, mm-hmm. do that. It's like the guy that gets coached the least on your team is the Friday night guy. Right. It's just a fact. Your three-hole hitter gets the least amount of advice on his swing. Why? Because he's good. We're not going to touch that. We're not going to touch that. So if a guy has reasons for me, you know, other guys, it's the opposite. It's like, man, I really like these plyos. Like, the more I do them, the stronger my arm feels. Like, can we come up with a plan where I can ramp this up a little bit more? Or, you know, like... Hey, coach, I don't feel comfortable. You know, when I go 400 feet on long toss, like my arm's hanging for three days. Can we have something where maybe I only have one day of long toss versus three? Right. It's like, dude, absolutely, 100%. I love that stuff. Uh, take full ownership of your career. If you want to do something different in your throwing program, tell me why. Tell me why. Give me a good reason. Shows me that you're thinking. Shows me that you're actually, you know, you have a reason for stuff. And then we'll do it. Uh, and then we'll implement it fully. Because uh, I don't want to is not a good reason. I don't, I just don't feel like it. Why don't you feel like it? What about your body's not telling you so? Is it a mental thing? X, Y, or Z? Now, you give me those reasons, we're going to evolve the throwing program. We're going to customize it to what you want. And all, like, I have 14 guys on staff. All 14 should not have the same throwing program. Right. If all 14 of my guys have the same throwing program, I'm a bad coach. I'm a lazy coach is what it is. I'm a lazy coach if they all have the same throwing program. Like, we should start off with a base. You need to start off somewhere, but then as the fall progresses and then we progress into preseason, then we progress into non-conference, we progress into conference, we should be adapting that throwing program based on that individual's recovery time, based on what that individual needs, based on that individual, you know, what makes them feel good. 
And everyone's going to end up having a different throwing program. In fact, we shouldn't have two throwing programs that are the same. We really shouldn't if you get down to it. It should be customized to the point in which guys are taking ownership of it where they develop a plan that's individualized to them, which is unlike anybody else's plan. And right. I, I, and if I can't do that. Like, I can't sit down and write up 14 individualized throwing programs on a weekly basis. What I can do is I can give you those guys a little bit of leeway and, and ownership. And when they want to tweak stuff, like, uh, I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. We had a starter this year halfway through the year. I was like, you throw plyos? He goes, no, I do reverse throws and that's it. And I was yeah. like, hmm. I was like, yeah, 190 RA. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. And I lo- you know what I love about that is, you know, coachability is a, is a big topic when it comes to college, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we talk about at Keep Playing Baseball is the fact that, you know, coachability doesn't necessarily mean that you're a, a yes man or a yes, you know, yes sir. No. Um, we have to have a conversation, right? You're actively involved in your development and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're driving that process. Yeah. hundred percent. And if you, if you do everything I tell you to, and there's no conversation, and you just do the things I tell you to do, what's going to go up. You can just blame it on me. Right. You're just going to be like, well, coach didn't write up a good enough drawing program or coach, you know, coach keeps telling me to do this. And that's not the way it goes. Well, I'm not looking for a guy that's just going to do everything I tell him to. In fact, that's a red flag for me when I get the yes coach, yes coach. It's like, dude, stop saying yes coach. Like, let's, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? Like, how, yeah. what's going on here? Like, let's figure this out together. Because, like, if it's all about me and my what I think, like, we're that kid's screwed, man. He's gonna get on the mound and he's gonna be lost. But if if that guy takes ownership and pride, the other great thing is he'll be able to do that for the rest of his life. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to have a guy who's gonna have to rely on me to write a throwing program in the minors. Like, I want guys that are going to be able to move on and throw their own, and be able to write up their own plans. Over the summer, things happen. I'm not around guys over the summer. Be able to make your own adjustments to your throwing program. Right. You know, I want to give these, I want to make sure these guys leave with life skills. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not about, it's not always about, and this is a tough one for coaches, but it, for me, it's not about being great at Point Loma. It's about being great at Point Loma if I can, but it's more importantly about being great after the leave. Does this guy have life skills? Does this guy have ownership skills so that he can go be a successful person? Right. You know what I mean? And like, sometimes I see it with, with coaches and, and places where I've been where it's like, that guy's really good there. But then once he leaves, everything was done for him there. And now he goes on and he's got no skills to, to help himself apart. out. Falls apart and can't handle the adversity. 100%. And what I'm looking for is like, dude, it was something we did at Chemeketa. We'd laugh. It was like, we weren't very good, but we weren't very good with good players. And, and like halfway through guys' sophomore years, they'd figure it out. And all of a sudden, we'd have guys just go off and just, like, be literally all conference, all world. Mm-hmm. And they'd go off, and all of our guys at Chemeketa that left, they were hitting – they either hit in a 3-4 hole hitter. And they were either a 3-4 hole hitter at the school that they went to, or they were pitching in the rotation because they had these unbelievable life skills that were going to carry them through. Right. And that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really – it's not about us now. It's about me helping this kid forever. You got to the first two points of your development, yeah. right? So you have health and you have – Recovery. recovery. Mm-hmm. And then the third point, the, the sexy point, um, velocity, you know, velocity, velocity yeah. which is, you know, when you're, when you're healthy, when your arm feels good every day, all of a sudden you look up and you feel great and you're throwing a, a pitch. And, and we literally in the fall, we have an led below board facing the pitcher after every pitch. So he can get immediate feedback as to how hard that throw was. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we'll have it. Like we had a kid who was like 86, 87 all fall. 
and then his last scrimmage, he's 90-91 in the winter. And it's just, boom, like, it's dotted, it's nailed, and it's great. And it's just like, he comes off the field, I'm like, what was that? And he was like, that felt good. I was like, do that. And he's like, I will. And so <laughs> he gets that, he gets that immediate feedback of, like, he was working on a little bit of a hip hinge that day. And I don't suggest guys that really take that stuff on the mound. I suggest guys to go out and compete, but that's what he wanted to work on. And he just said he felt it like he got that hip hinge going, and all of a sudden he jumped three miles. And he got that immediate feedback. He was like, "Dude, it, coach, it wasn't under 91." So like I, I blew that guy away with a 91 mile an hour fastball. I was like, "I know, I saw." It. Now let's let's keep doing that. So and clicks 100. percent And it's just that natural progression of the throwing program. The other funny thing too is like we do some Soviet training in the fall where we want to train at a deficit. So most of the time, our guys in the fall, their bodies are tired, they're worn out. We're really kind of pushing them. And their velos are down. And when their velos are down early, you have to learn how to pitch. When you're an 86 to 87, 88 mile an hour arm, you've got a little bit of velo at our level where you can do some stuff. But if that same arm goes down to 83, 85, and he's healthy, he's fine. But again, he's training at a physical deficit. Right. He's got to learn how to spot his fastball up and change speed and, and use his tunnels better. So now he's 83, 85 for five weeks in the fall. He's learning how to pitch better. And then all of a sudden, guess what? All of a sudden in season, this kid's 90-92. Right. And it's like, now he knows how to pitch and he's got the velo. Like, let's party. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Will you explain that deficit training a little bit more for the listeners who might not understand what you're talking about? I think that's a really, a really common thing for pitchers who haven't been on a weightlifting program and they get to college and they look at their their weightlifting program and they're saying, this isn't helping me. I'm throwing slower. I'm Correct. tired. Um, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? hundred percent. Um, so the training, you have to on-ramp to it. You have to prepare your body for it. And that's why that on-ramping as well is so important. But once you get to this source of on-ramping after four weeks, you want to push your body. Your body can handle so much more stress than we give it capable of. They talk about it mentally, but it applies to physically. Like your body is capable of 20 times more of what we, we realize it is. And so when you're throwing long toss Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, when you're lifting heavy on those Monday, Wednesday, Friday days as well, is you're throwing light on those days, you're doing your rec active recovery days, and you're really pushing your body in the fall, what happens is your body gets tired. But be, even though your body is tired, you're strengthening it. And so what happens is your velo goes down because it's tired because it's in the midst of a strength building process. Right. And so the immediate gratification is take a couple of days off, your velo goes back up and you feel great. But if you have the discipline to continue to train within the deficit that, you know, your program specifies and you're able to get through that 12 week fall uh, training within that deficit and then, you know, reboard at the end of it, uh, you know, you've created some strength that's going to sustain you into the season. The thing that I've been proudest about our throwing program, whether it's been at Point Loma, Santa Barbara City, or, or at Chemeketa, our starters don't get hurt, and our starters' best velocities happen the last couple of weeks of the seasons in the playoffs when it matters most. And so, you know, it's one of those things where that's how you know the fall program works. And you've got guys who are able to jump three miles an hour, you know, two, three miles an hour, easy, you know, year after year. Once you get to 91, it turns into a, a mile or two not as sexy like it's harder to get from 91 to 90 to 93 than it is to get from 84 to 88 you know what i mean right but um you know you get guys with big jumps and like it's it's very rewarding but you have to have that trust you have to have the right people writing up this you have to have educated people writing up your your um, programs in the fall but if you have the right 
programs and you stay disciplined and you train within those deficits and you crush your recovery during those, yeah, you're not going to feel as strong as you might want to in the fall, but it's going to come around and benefit you tremendously during the course of the season. Would you say that you guys used the, the train hard, recover harder analogy? I would say on average, yes. I would say, again, it. I can't specify, I cannot overemphasize how important on-ramping is. If you on-ramp correctly, you're able to train hard, recover hard. And, and on-ramping, you're just talking about gradually increasing your workload and preparing Correct. your body to handle the stress. Is that 100%? 100%. Okay. You're talking about that every other day throwing program where you're increasing and getting your body to a place where it's ready for you know maximal loads. Right. So you've got, you know, once you get into your throwing program, that's when you can deal with your maximal, submaximal and recovery days. Right. And I, you know, I hope a lot of the high school players that are listening to this will go back and, and listen to this a few times because I think what you're doing is dropping a ton of super useful information that can really help them. And the other their, thing, too, is in their high one, school setting. Yeah. Another thing, too, is like, understand this. Some guys physically aren't ready for Soviet training. They're just not there. So if we've got a guy that's underdeveloped, a little young, uh, you know, almost prepubescent, like we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to drop that on him until he's a sophomore or junior. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to listen to that guy's body and, and what it's saying. So we're blessed. I'll tell you this. We're extremely blessed at Point Loma. We have an unbelievable strength and conditioning coach, guy by the name of Eric Pedersen, who came in and is just doing great things, baseball specific. Uh, and then we, our athletic training facility, we got a young lady by the name of Pammy Young, who's been running it. And then the three of us, we're all on the same page. I mean, it's liquid. Like something happens to a guy and the three of us, we can change our programs within a matter of seconds from an email or from a discussion. And we're all able to kind of revolve off of each other. And, and having that synergy within your athletic training program, uh, athletic trainer, your strength coach and your throwing coach, that's what's going to put you in a position to be the most successful. So I talk about this all the time. There's like a, t- I, I, I used to think there was a magic bullet when I started. I used to think, weigh the balls. That's going to get you three miles an hour. Boom. That's, that's the answer. Doesn't work that way. The reality of the situation is there's a tenth of a mile hiding everywhere. You get your, you know, you dominate your, your, you know, your warm up and your recovery stuff. There's a couple tenths of a mile that you can grab. You get in the weight room. I think the weight room, there's the most amount of miles to be gained there, but you know, there's, you know, half mile, mile hiding in the weight room. Uh, you get your throwing program done, right? Your long toss run done specifically. There's a couple tenths of a mile hiding there. You get your pull downs done correctly. Boom. We've got a couple tenths of a mile hiding there. So having, if, if I stopped relying on myself, only to help these guys develop velocity. And I started listening a lot more to our strength coach and our athletic trainer because I realized now you've got these three people all working together and we put our athletes in an unbelievable position to be successful. Right. And it really helps when everyone's pulling on the same rope. And (laughs) it's a great way of putting it. You know, and and we'll get to recruiting later and I'll ask you about kind of how, how you think recruits can explore some of these relationships in the recruiting process. But, you know, for a high school kid that's listening to this, how can how can he take what you guys are doing at such an advanced level during the fall and apply that to his high school schedule? Do you think there's a way that your program is adaptable for those kids? You've got to get the right information. You've got to go to the right people, the right information. From a strength coach program, like Driveline's phenomenal. Go to Driveline for everything. As far as the throwing program goes, the strength program goes, those guys are committed to research. I think they do a great job. Mm-hmm. But you've got to go to multiple sources. You've got to cross-check. You've got to checks and balances. It's like our government. We've got, you know, three three different branches, and they keep each other, you know, checked and balance-wise. So you go to Driveline. That's great. From a strength program, go to Eric Crest. See what he's doing. Go to a guy like uh, Ben Brewster. Like, see what he's doing. 
Uh, and you want to just keep as many checks and balances as possible. Uh, the guys that I've been going to recently, like I've had some really fortunate luck, like some former big leaguers. I've just been kind of picking their brain on mechanical cues and stuff that they use. And what they do is they use these super simple mechanical cues, but it turns out they're, you know, uh, explain a very complex thing and it's just a way to apply it to guys. So, but I would say go get educated to get back on topic is, is go get educated, whether it's an Eric Cressy, whether it's a driveline, uh, whatever that you can find out there, um, is read up on that stuff and see how you can use it. And the other tough thing is this is like, understand your, your high school coach, he, he's there to help. He wants what's best for you. He doesn't always know what's best for you. And, uh, from an educational standpoint, because chances are he's not a full-time coach. He's got another job, you know, he's got to teach right. as well as coach. He's got to do this as well as coach. And so I think the biggest, I think the biggest mistake high school kids make is like, oh, coach hasn't read this article. He's an idiot. Or it's like, why don't you show him that article? Why don't you help educate him and see what he thinks and ask him if we can implement it? And because when you come at him hard where you're like, well, this is what Dryline says, or this is what Cressy says, or this is what Brewster says. They're going to get defensive because they're going to feel like their program is being attacked versus where if you come up to your head coach and you say, hey, coach, I was reading this article and it sounds like it's got some good stuff in it. I was wondering what you were thinking, if, what, if you could read this and, and tell me what you think. And if you think this could be of any benefit to us in the program, because this is something I'm, I'm kind of excited about. And, you know, I, I want to know if you think that we can implement this stuff. Starting that conversation piece. hundred percent. hundred percent. And it's, you know, get on the same page as him. And, and if you're able to do that, and sometimes he'll say no, and sometimes he'll say yes. And when he says yes, sweet, when he says no, respect him, man. It's still your coach. Um, don't be, here's a huge one. Don't be so focused on what he won't let you do and be more focused on the stuff that he knows and how it can help you. Mm -hmm. Like you could have a coach that's terrible at writing throwing programs and has no idea about strength stuff, but he can teach the most unbelievable pick package of all time. Like he could teach like the just elite pick package there is. And you're so, some guys are so focused on, well, this guy can't help me with the throwing program or this guy can't help me with the strength program where, you know, I think you'd be better served. If, okay. Well then let's work on picks and let me get really, really good at picks. That way when I go to college, they'll have a, right. a pitching coach. I'll be on a good throwing program and I'll have this unbelievable pick package I can carry with me for the rest of the life, my life. Like, so, so, you know, educate yourself, try to get the head coach on the same page of you. If it works great, if it doesn't focus on what he does now and get better at that. Yeah, that's great. General advice is, you know, focusing on the positive and, and really doing your homework. There's so much information out there. So much oh, it's crazy. Information out and, it, there. and it contradicts each other too. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? So you really got to educate yourself and, and look for your stuff wisely and figure out what applies to you and your body. Think, think critically about what you're seeing and, and how it applies. I love that. Well, 100%. If, if you could give one piece of advice from a de development perspective to a high school pitcher to prepare them for college, to prepare them to walk through the door at your program, what would that be? Oh, geez, man. It's so, it's, it's so hard because, you know, like I said, like each kid needs different stuff but mm -hmm. if i were to give them one thing to be prepared is just be ready to be ready to sacrifice be ready to you're gonna like it's a it's a commitment so be ready come in ready to miss out on certain like you're gonna be like our strength our strength stuff it's monday wednesday fridays it's you know you get an hour session from six to seven seven to eight or eight to nine you go from there you know you go to eat you study 
Uh, chances are we got early work at two o'clock. You're down there for early work. You go to practice from two thirty to five thirty. You finish up at five thirty. You got to eat again, you know, and then you go and you got to do some studying. Like there's no, there's not as much. You're not going to be as good as Fortnite as a normal student, dude. Yeah. It's it's just how it goes. Like there's going to be some kid in H Pod who's going to be unbelievable at Fortnite because while you're practicing and while you're doing stuff, he's playing. Like you're going to have to miss out on that stuff. But that being said. Once you miss out on that stuff, it's for something that's so much better. And so come in understanding that it's a time commitment and really be excited about that and dominate that. That would be my biggest advice for guys going into college is, is really you got to sacrifice something. Sacrifice is giving up something good for something great. Yeah. And when you're on a base uh, on a collegiate baseball team, it, it's great, man. It's special. You'll never be able to do that ever again in your life. So, you know, enjoy that piece of it. Yeah. Giving up your Friday night seems really difficult at the time. Sacrifice the yeah. aspect, but when you look at things in the long term, yeah. But when you're shoving as a junior and you strike that guy out to win conference and your name's you know second team all conference and your team's going to the World Series, I, I don't think you care about that Friday night of Fortnite that you missed or going out with your buddy and eating that extra bean burrito that nobody really needed. That's a great note for us to finish on. And if you enjoyed our conversation about player development today, you're definitely going to want to check back in and listen to part two of our episode with Coach K as we get into the recruiting process, the different levels of college baseball, and how you can go about finding a program that fits what you're looking for in a college baseball experience. Thanks for tuning in to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. As always, if you need more information, you can find that for free on our website, it's www.keepplayingbaseball.org. You can also find tons of free information on our social media accounts. That's Twitter handle at KeepPlayingBB, Facebook KeepPlayingBaseball, and Instagram at KeepPlayingBaseball. That does it for now. Until next time, take care.